0: Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Today's Bible lesson is going to be titled, Workers of Iniquity. Workers of Iniquity. In in the Bible, I'll be beginning in the book of Job, chapter 31, verse 3. Job 31, 3. The Bible says, It is not destruction to the wicked, and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity. I want to talk to you a little bit about workers of iniquity. Let us consider what would classify someone as a worker of iniquity. The Bible has quite a bit to say about this, so we might want to pay attention. You could ask the average Bible-thumping church that question. Would you consider that you have been guilty of a worker of iniquity? The vast majority would say, of course not. I'm one of the good guys. You must be talking about other people besides me. It's funny how we are always our best advocate. It's them and not me. Now I want you to realize something. I'm not bashing the church crowd. I just hope to help you see that sometimes we work in equity without even knowing we're doing it. God will sometimes allow strange punishment to take place, When we are a worker of iniquity, he might be trying to get our attention or he might be trying to get someone else's attention. Whichever, it is always for the greater cause and only God knows. Iniquity, here's the definition I found on that. Iniquity is a violation of the right or duty that mankind is under obligation to do. And iniquity can also be a wicked act and immoral conduct or practice. These are harmful or offensive to society, and especially to God. In the Bible, the terms sin and iniquity are often used interchangeably. Have you ever thought about how many times we let God down? Now I'm talking about the Bible-thumping churchgoers wearing halos. Have you ever done something to satisfy self over serving God? We do it all the time. That's called sin. We intentionally sin sometimes without even recognizing it. Now, I believe people should celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, and family reunions, and you could name events like that, on and on. There is nothing wrong with the act of celebrating. First of all, I've done it, and you've done it, we've all done it. But where it becomes a work of iniquity is when we intentionally do it to avoid the things of the Lord. That is flat out sin. Sin. You or me cannot whitewash it. We cannot justify it. We need to recognize it, repent of it, and try to do better. I'm going to say it in plain English. If we cannot grow in the Lord, what good are we? If we are not growing in the Lord, we must be going the other direction. That is a worker of iniquity, not a worker for the Lord. But you have to listen to the way I word this. I said, when those events take priority over the events of God, that is flat out being a worker of iniquity, allowing more sin to enter in than the things of the Lord. That is intentional sin. I'll give you some examples. We're going to meet Sunday to go over some things of the Lord. Yeah, but you don't understand. We have a birthday party to attend, so we cannot be there. That is not growing in the Lord. That is growing in self. We are self-satisfying instead of God-satisfying. That is a worker of iniquity. And guess what? The secular world is much worse because a worker of iniquity can cover a broad range. You see, we cannot see what God sees. A worker of iniquity could include a major moral sin. We see sin as, oh, the birthday... Don't matter. It's a little sin. We can slide God on the back burner Sunday because I have an event that I need to be at. They won't miss me. Church won't miss me. Anything put ahead of God is sin. It cannot be sugar It cannot be justified. I can see a lost person of the secular world trying to justify, but a supposedly learned Christian trying to justify is as bad as a sin bearer committing. We are world famous for trying to justify everything. It has been said here more than once, where is our priority? The things of the world, self-satisfaction, or God? We have to make up our mind how we are going to live from day to day. Oh, buddy, you don't understand. Oh, yes, I do. I understand. I understand it's not up to me, but God sees everything of the heart. We don't want to admit our guilt. I'll hold my hand up, guilty. It would be very difficult for us to look in the mirror while wearing our halo and admitting we too, uh, we do too many works of iniquity. Buddy, you need to be quiet because you're affecting my comfort zone. I like being in my spiritual comfort zone. I might decide to go get an ice cream while you're having a revival. I'm going to do what I want to do and you can't do anything about it. You're right, and I don't have to, because God will. I've seen him lift his hand of protection too many times. Workers of iniquity carrying on and on trying to figure out how to avoid the things of God, and then all of a sudden a major catastrophe happens in their life, and they don't know how to handle it. Why? Because they spend their moments trying to figure out how to avoid the things of the Lord, and are not growing spiritually. I've seen it happen too many times. Workers of iniquity. Here are a few things I've seen taken priority over God. The Super Bowl, football, basketball, jobs, entertainment, camping, personal events, and the list just goes on and on and on. Self-satisfaction. We as Christians are to guard ourselves, our eyes, and our heart from the impurity of sin. We are to set examples for others. When the world sees you doing like the rest of the world, what separates you from the world? becoming a better way for them. We too many times show bad examples instead of good examples. When there are more bad examples of living like the world instead of living for the Lord, repentance is in order. That does not mean you have to be living uh, you have to live like a hermit and not associate with anyone. Just make sure your priorities and authority is in order. Works of iniquity poison the righteous soul. Not only that, but it can also wreck your character. People never learn in their works of iniquity. They dig the ditch and then fall in it, never learning. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And if you share that truth with them, next time they will avoid you. Why? Because the truth hurts. Listen, God is not our problems. We are. The Bible says the inheritance of the wicked is destruction, ruins both body and soul. Psalm chapter 14 verse 4. Psalm chapter 14 verse 4 says this, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord? This verse is also for the workers of iniquity. It says they call not upon the Lord. We have family members like that. They will figure out a way not to go to the Lord's house. On Sundays and at revivals, those are the ones that call not upon the Lord. They are workers of iniquity. Do you know anyone like that? They are at an entertainment event or gone camping or watching the Super Bowl. They call not upon the Lord, a worker of iniquity. Now, if you're thinking, buddy, who are you to judge? I've got news for you. It's okay to do righteous judgment according to the Bible. Psalm chapter 94, verse 16. Psalm ninety-four sixteen. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Do you see this verse? There is nothing wrong for standing up for truth. If they accuse you of judging, they'll just have to get over that. God expects us to speak against the evildoers. That is our duty as Christians. Don't be concerned about offending someone if it does not line up with the word. They were talking the other day about how crime has taken over this nation with the teenagers. You cannot start raising a teenager when they're 18. It has to start much younger with a lot of discipline. Discipline does not hurt a child. It helps them mature. And I don't mean time out unless you plan on a time out behind the woodshed. Okay, if you don't believe that, then explain how 300 got to, together the other day on the streets of Chicago with looting and robbing and beatings. i tell you why. No discipline in the homes. You have heard, oh, God loves everyone. In the way of salvation He does, but He does not love the workers of iniquity. If that was the case, heaven would be full of workers of iniquity and that's not going to happen. Listen carefully. Man is not the measure of things. God is. If we tell unbelievers God loves you, then there's no need of a mediator. God loves him anyway. Between the unbeliever in God, and no reconciliation. That is a false gospel. Be careful when you say God loves everyone. Make sure you help people see it means that only in the way of salvation because he does wish all would accept his Son and Savior and gain eternal life. But he does not love the workers of iniquity. There are people that honestly believe they are right with God And they only pursue the things of God two times a year or three or four times every five or six years. Where is the evidence of salvation? Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17. The Bible says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Did you know this chapter and verse is conditional? not unconditional as many teach. I've heard that taught by Baptist preachers that God's love is unconditional. No, it is not. He does not want you to be a worker of iniquity. How could he allow that in heaven? He absolutely could not. That is why so many in the year we live do not know who God is for being afraid of offending someone. Our children are being taught that. I do not intentionally go around offending people, but if it does not line up with God and His Word, it's time to speak up for what is right with righteous judgment. That is the mark of a true Christian. Stand on the truth. Stand on the authorized King James Bible. Stand on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only show yourself as a true Christian, but be a true Christian by your actions. How do we live seven days a week? Here are the words of Jesus Christ in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 21. John fourteen, verse 21. He that hath my he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, that means obey. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. We have his commandments in the authorized King James Bible, but look what he stresses. He says, and keepeth them. You cannot keep them if you do not obey them. How many times have we stressed obedience? Then look what happens. When we obey, he will manifest to us. What does that mean? He will bless us. We can be as close to God as we want to be. Did you know the undoubted love for God shows up when we obey His commandments? In all of our greatest education, we find that life itself, in all of its highs and lows, its failures and victories, we find again and again that God, that love sees farthest, hears the quickest, feels the deepest. I've been on this planet a while, and I'm still learning that from day to day, that life itself being my teacher. Please don't ever reach the point where you think you're maxed out. You have no more to learn. We're all still here only by God's grace, and I'm sure God will be showing us new things for all eternity. He prepared all of us, uh, all of what we see, in six days. What do you think he had ready for for us after a few thousand years? It might take me a few thousand years to understand how he loved us first while we were yet sinners and on our way to hell. To some men, the world is everything. They have one small world in their tiny universe and they know only uh, that world from day to day. They're, in other words, they're wrapped up in the affairs of life. To a man whose temple is the Holy Ghost, his world and universe cannot be measured. The world is in a constant state of alarm, but the Christian has a wide view of things which is infinite, absolute, and peaceful. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I like what a man said in the revival one time. He said, look, don't look up. Don't look at your circumstance. Look up. Keep looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus said, I come quickly. He said, if any man loves me, I will manifest myself to him. Blessed is the pure in heart for they shall see God. Did you know that true love for Jesus Christ will produce obedience? John chapter 14, verse 15. John fourteen fifteen. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. That those who love him will be loved by the Father, showing him there is a union between the Father and the Son. That Jesus also will love them, creating still the same union. Religion is love. The love of one holy subject or object is the love of all. The kingdom of God is one. His people, though all by different names, are one. They are united to each other. And to God, and the bond which unites the whole kingdom is one love. The Bible said, will manifest, manifest myself to Him, to manifest it, to show or to make appear, to place before the eyes so that an object may be seen. This means that Jesus would show Himself to His followers that they should see and know that He was their Savior. In what way this is done, see John chapter 14, verse 23. John fourteen twenty three. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Do you see that? If we are truly born again, saved, we will obey his words, obedience. We cannot, as true Christians, act like fools in disobedience. We have to follow and obey his commands. Do you know it is easy to act like fools? But because the majority of the world does that, does not mean you have to. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And God will bless accordingly. I want to ask you one more thing before I close here. Are you 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven? Absolutely 100% sure. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, I don't think anybody knows that for sure. Did you know that God wants you to know for sure that you've got eternal life? He says in 1 John 5:13 that you may know that you have eternal life. We have to do as the Bible says, and the Bible said we have to be born again or saved. And the only way we can, way we can do that is like be, the first thing we have to do, we have to recognize that we're a sinner. We're all sinners. We were born with that sin nature from Adam and Eve and the next thing we have to do is repent of, of that sin. You know you can repent a thousand times but won't do you one bit of good until you actually forsake that sin. In other words, give it up, go another direction and then believe in the finished work of the cross. Believe that Jesus Christ was uh, crucified. He was put in a grave and three days later he arose to sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. If you believe that with all your heart, you shall be saved. It don't say you might be saved. It says you shall be saved. And we have to believe that with all our heart. We always have to remember in every dealings in life, who is our authority, God or man? And he has promised us eternal life if we'll just believe in him, believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed this. And uh, until next time at a later date, we'll catch you down the road.